You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. In an interview with Carrie Newoff, Jim Davis said this about the American church. We are currently in the largest and fastest religious shift in the history of our country. As they were looking at a study, the study proved 40 million American adults have left the church and largely in the past 25 to 30 years. Now, to put this in context, Davis went on to say, in terms of numbers, our, our shift is larger than the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined, but going in the opposite direction. In America, in the last 25 to 30 years, many people have left the room. Fracture lines are dividing people in the church, turning brothers and sisters into enemy tribes who focus on who's in and who's out. While that's happening, people are leaving the room. And people are leaving the room at historic rates. COVID has only accelerated this movement. Right now, the median church in America right now, the median church in America is 75 people. Some of the reasons for this have been the pandemic itself, culture wars that are being fought within the church and within our culture, ugliness seen in and through churches, um, basic life transitions, habits have changed, church attendance has become more inconvenient in our day and age for many people. So there's been a buildup and there's all kinds of reasons. I was talking with someone the other day when we were discussing this this trend, and uh, this friend asked this question. I get all that. I, that's it's inc- These are incredible numbers, really saddening numbers. How do we change this? How do we help solve this problem and not contribute to the problem? So what I'd like to talk with you about today is a story centering on Jesus and what can happen when we bring Jesus into the room especially when the room's divided or people are leaving it. In Luke chapter 19, we looked at this last week, uh, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. He's doing ministry, he's rolling through Jericho. And a man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. So there's a tax collector, the like tax collector of tax, tax collectors, the leader um, in this area, in this region. He's there, he's rich, and he was trying to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that spot, he looked up at Zacchaeus. And before we go into what he said, I want to just take a moment to look at what's happening um, in this culture, in this, in this time. In this moment, Jesus looks up at him. Zacchaeus is up this tree. Uh, this is an undignified thing for a male in Jewish culture to do, to be up in a tree with your robes, <laughs> which probably isn't the best image if you're down below looking up at him. Here's this man, undignified, um, uh, kind of in a place of cultural shame. This 
moment of Zacchaeus being in a tree and Jesus being with all the people down here looking at him has a lot of cultural irony. Zacchaeus had made a career by climbing up to wealth at the expense of people, on the backs of his own people. He would have, as a tax collector, been known as uh, someone who was compliant and working with the Roman occupying force. And he gained all of his wealth by uh, collabor- collaborating with the, the Roman government, often cheating his own people. So here was this short, rich man who climbed to the top of wealth and riches, now having climbed above his people and was in a tree because of being a social pariah. No one wanted to let him go, you know, be close to them or move where he wanted to go see Jesus. They wouldn't let him in. And here he is, undignified, shamed, and everybody ready to laugh at this cultural traitor. This was an opportunity for Jesus to ridicule Zacchaeus, for the town to ridicule him. Look, he's, he's caught. He's up in the tree. And man, they were probably just waiting for Jesus to skewer him especially Jesus, who is always on the side of the poor and those who have been taken advantage of. Now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus looked up to Zacchaeus. I can almost see Jesus with a smile looking at him. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I'm going to stay at your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. So instead of extending ridicule, instead of making fun of Zacchaeus, instead of like, Uh, making an example of him, embarrassing him, Jesus extends hospitality and grace to this sinner. Jesus invites himself into the room, the house of a sinner, the room of an outsider, the table probably filled with tensions. He wants to go to Zacchaeus' house. Now, let's remember what the, the, the crowd is there. They were expecting something, you know, uh, funny and ridiculing, and they can't believe what they've seen. Something more scandalous, which is the grace coming through Jesus' actions. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Like, they're like, we hate this guy. You know, he was probably a sinner to the, the, the wealthy and the poor. Like, nobody liked this guy. So why were people so repulsed? Well, the obvious is he's working with the Roman governments, taking their money. But why did everyone want to like either leave the room uh, that Zacchaeus was in or just not even enter in the first place? Think about for a moment the social ramifications, the room Jesus is inviting himself and others into. Think of uh, the likely shady characters that Zacchaeus was friends with because he wouldn't have been accepted socially by, you know, more normal folks or, or people that were acceptable in Jewish culture. He would have been on the outside. He was rejected by his own community as a traitor. His friends probably were Roman Gentiles, other tax collectors, perhaps prostitutes and other known sinners. These are the people that would have been at his table. He likely had seedy friends no rabbi would normally be caught dead or alive with. And here's Jesus, Jesus, this wandering teacher and rabbi, inviting himself over into the room to the table of a sinner. So for a moment, think about other rooms like Zacchaeus' room, his home, uh, the, the other places and rooms that Jesus invited himself over to or was invited to. Think about the tensions and division that Jesus often walked into. 
Now, when you think of the, the rooms, the parties, the places that Jesus went to, imagine the tensions that were in those rooms, the allegiances of different people, the agendas that like everybody brought in, the different agendas. I and mean, think about some of the, the, these characters that we know in Scripture, from Zacchaeus, who's a known tax collector, uh, and Roman collaborator. And then there's, you know, you got Simon the Zealot who has had to be at some of these parties. He uh, actively fought the Roman uh, government. He was very politically centered. Uh, Matthew is another known tax collector. You know, he was, his allegiance was where the money went and with the Romans. And then you have Nicodemus, who's like a scripture centered, powerful ruling council member. Um, and his life and his agendas were probably set by you know, his religious group and, and the power they were trying to maintain. Then you have like Roman centurion or centurions like uh, Jairus, someone who is a national military Roman man. Uh, think about the, the Canaanite woman and who has other cultural values that she brought into the room uh, when she was with Jesus. It was a miracle for all these people to be in the same room together and not like, at each other's throats or all running away. The only way these people came together and learned to live in community is that Jesus was in the room. Jesus was always the guest right in the middle of it, in the room with people like Matthew and the tax collectors, Peter and Jairus, Martha and Mary, Simon the Pharisee and, and Levi, the, the other tax collector. These rooms of sinners and saints eating at the table with people who disliked and disagreed with each other. Now, at the meal tables of the wealthy, Jesus pled the case of the poor. He was always in the, in the middle of the room, kind of like sometimes upsetting the political, polite company. He also befriended, you know, isolated people. He welcomed both strangers, but also ate meals with and challenged those in power. Jesus was often the guest of sinners, but he was always in the room. Now, what? think about this for a moment. What happens at Zacchaeus' house, in Zacchaeus' room, if you only have a room full of people who despise each other and Jesus is in, in the room? He's not there. Division. Uh, not only disagreement, maybe like people end up running away or running at each other. Now, what happens when you have Jesus in the room next to Zacchaeus? Something changes. There's a moment uh, in this story in verse eight where like Jesus has actually invited uh, himself into Zacchaeus' life. I want to spend time with you on your turf. Jesus is standing up with Zacchaeus. He's not used to that. And so Zacchaeus stops and says, Lord, look, Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I re I'll repay them four times as much. Everything changes when Jesus is in the room. Even when it's a room divided, even when it's in a, a room that's disagreeing or even despising one another, transformation happens, forgiveness happens, hospitality, and the ability to remain in the room of differences happens when Jesus is there. If you'd hone in with me for a second, I, I think this is important. I think we live in a time where Christians are, are really tempted to bring their agenda of choice, their agenda of preference into the middle of whatever room they might step into. That we're really tempted right now to bring our favorite opinion, our favorite agenda, and forget to invite Jesus into the middle of the room. Instead of bringing our cultural fight 
to whatever room we're stepping into, instead of bringing our political agenda, instead of bringing our cultural and our religious uh, opinions, instead of bringing our hatred and our anger, instead of bringing our favorite whatever, what if we slowed down and we remembered to invite Christ into the room or remember that maybe he's already there and to become aware of it? What if we let Jesus set the agenda? What if we let Jesus handle the tensions and the disagreement and started looking at those things through his eyes, his actions, his presence? What kind of healing could happen in a room like that? Could people feel like they could be family instead of enemies? Could people begin to feel like they can stay in the room instead of leave, run away? Would people on the outside of our churches and our community begin to feel like they're welcome to come in and be with Jesus, no matter the baggage that they bring, that this room is filled with sinners, fools, and ragamuffins, and we're all moving toward Christ, learning to be like Christ together, that we can actually be in a room filled with love and grace. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham. The human one, Jesus said, speaking about himself, came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek the seekers, find the doubters, heal the wounded, and rescue those of us like Zacchaeus, those of us who are, feel like we're on the outside or there's a barrier or we've made the barriers for other people. Jesus seeks to save those who are lost. What happens when we invite Jesus into the room? Light enters the room. Joy enters the room. Mercy enters the room. Truth enters the room. Freedom enters the room. Power enters the room. Dialogue enters the room. Humility enters the room. Enemies become friends. Culture wars move toward peace. Things change. You and I can change in a room like that. So I want to encourage you to live in a way that remembers that Jesus is present and invite Jesus into the room. Invite yourself to remember he's there. And when you do that, I think we remember to like live lives that invite other people into the room, into the, our homes, into our life, into our churches. Inviting Jesus into the room means setting our opinions and agendas on the sideline. doesn't mean we don't have them. We have our opinions. We have agendas. We're human. But we we sideline them and we center Jesus. Inviting Jesus into the middle of the room means we let him set the agenda and him set like the most important things over our opinions and our opinions get put in their place. Inviting Jesus into the room means we let him lead our posture and our, the positions we might hold and the opinions we have. We're learning with so many people who have left the room in uh, the North American church that when we invite Jesus to the table, it means that we're learning to invite others to the table, not just to, to be with us or to hear our opinions, but to be with him, to be with Jesus together. What's in the power of an invitation? What could one invitation do in a time of tension and division? When, when people are seeking truth, people are seeking grace and love, what could one invitation do? Um, to meet and be around a Jesus community.
I think it could change everything. I think people are not only willing to come back into the room, I think people are willing to stay there together. Guys, I love you so much. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.